Sound of Hockey episode 221.5. It's been a little while since we've gotten you uh, one of these .5 episodes. We're happy to be back. It's been a little bit hard to schedule these things over the holidays. But we're making it happen here. Uh, this is Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Uh, joined by a special guest today. It's You know, I think the main reason we haven't done one of these for a while is just because we've been holding out for this very special guest. And it's been really hard to track him down. Everett Fitzhugh. Um, thankfully he's finally made time for us. Uh, he's been big timing us, just ignoring many texts and calls. And finally he agrees to come on the show. Everett, thank you so much for uh, making time out of your busy schedule to join me here today. <laughs> hey, no problem. 225. Is that weekly or we? No, have- it's, well, it's 221, okay. 221.5. So 221.5. That's okay. right. So, so the 0.5 episodes are like supplemental um, on top of our weekly, but yes, 221 full length weekly episodes is what we've done. <laughs> Jeez, that is a, that that's amazing. See, that's why I've not been on is because you're the one who's busy. I'm just hanging out here in Montreal trying not to freeze. Yeah, no, it's it's a fair putting, point. Putting Every, the work in. Yeah, everything I said about you uh, not being responsive is completely false. You're a very responsive uh, <laughs> person, so I appreciate you. I um, Yeah, so we want to do a quick uh, quick check in with you from the road since this is yeah. a, a two week road trip. You know, I'm I'm willowing withering. What's the word? Withering away. Um, you know, yeah. not with you all on the road, so I, I don't have the the contact that I normally have. Um, so I think I, I want to get kind of some vibe checks on what's happening here. This is a crazy long road trip. Um, but first and yeah. foremost, I want to ask you as a Lions fan, how are you feeling this morning? We are one day removed from probably a pretty topsy-turvy day for you uh, or to- topsy-turvy 24 hours for you, I would imagine. Um, a 9-8 and eight finish to the season. That's yeah. pretty good, right? I I think that probably makes you feel good. But then you miss the playoffs. You helped the Seahawks. You knocked off the Packers. How do you wrap your head around all that, Everett? I mean, that that is for me. It's 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 the dream scenario, except for not making playoffs. Right? You, sure. you beat the Packers, which coming into this season, I think the Lions have only beat Green Bay in Green Bay three times in my life, uh, and two of those times have come in the last four or five years. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions don't have a lot of success in Green Bay. They're, they were one in eight on Sunday night football uh, all time. So, again, like, a lot was set up for the Lions to, to not have such a good, good night. But I think for me, the Seahawks winning, we were watching both games here in Montreal. The Seahawks winning was great. That was a, a fantastic win. And even though I, I'm a born and raised Lions fan. I mean, Seattle is now my hometown team. So, if if it can't be Detroit, then then it it, it should be Seattle. And either way, I won. Either way, my fandom won because if the Seahawks lost and the Lions win, well, then my Lions are in the playoffs. But if the Seahawks won um, and the Lions beat Green Bay, the Seahawks are in the playoffs and the Lions beat Green Bay. So either way, I, I see it as a win. Um, but man, what a great year. And, and it was, it was fun to watch the second half of the season. I think they were one and six to start. We'll, we'll forget about that. But yeah. I think the second half of the season was, was really fun 
uh, to watch this team come together and, and the success they had. All right. Well, um, I'm sure that our listeners are here to get lots of Lions talk. So um, <laughs> maybe we should just keep going with that. But I think uh, what we'll do instead is talk about the Kraken. And my my first real Kraken question is, um, are the Kraken nasty? Are they? Are they? Are they nasty? Are they, are they wasty? I don't know. Hey. Oh wow, uh, man. They, let me before you get into it. Let me let me give the readers our kind of backstory here, <laughs> or the listeners. I mean, not readers. Um. So you this goes back to preseason because the the Kraken started off, I think, four and zero in the preseason. Yeah. And you and I would talk about it from time to time, where you would be doing the the radio call. And you'd kind of look around and like see them winning for nothing, and you'd be like, "Are the Kraken good? Is this is this like what's is this happening? Is this happening? Here? Are we gonna have is this, is this a a sign of things to come? Yeah, right. Nasty? So that's that's progressed to are the Kraken good? Are the Kraken nasty? Are the Kraken nasty wasty? Um, and on the nights that they don't play so well, um, I don't know if we want to share what our now nah, we yeah, won't share yeah, what the we'll, opposite we'll, is. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs> That's an inside joke. We'll keep that as an inside joke. Um, okay, so so are they nasty? What do you think? You know, in, in 2023, the Kraken are definitely nasty. Yeah, uh, I, I think can't argue with that. With with the way that they played on this road trip, and I think a lot of people saw this road trip as as a potential make or break for this season. You go on the seven game winning streak. You have a, a record setting month of November. And then December, uh, you know, you're, you're hit by the season, right? The, the, this, the NHL, it ebbs and flows. You're, you win seven straight, and then you, you mess around and lose five of seven. These things happen. So I, I think this road trip, everyone had it circled on their calendar. If this Kraken team can minimally go 500, they can find a way to get seven of these 14 points on this road trip, you're still in the wild card conversation, or maybe you're still holding on to that third place spot in the division. Then you're now getting to a point where if you're Seattle, it's going to be very hard to, to screw this up, to, to, to mess, mess up this positioning. Well, now defensively you've limited two of the top teams offensively in the NHL to just three goals in Edmonton and Toronto. Mm -hmm. You have a good offensive showing in Ottawa the other night, you're now the only team in the NHL to score eight or more goals three times in the season. So for Seattle, it's gone from, you know, this road trip could make or break the season to this road trip may uh, be the jumping off point to, to success for the month of January, where you've got 16 games in what, 28 days, including three back-to-back. So it's not an easy month by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're Seattle, you have to be very, very happy with the way that you're playing right now and, and, and the completeness of your game. And I think this, the locker room after December, the players in the room, the coaching staff, they knew that it wasn't time to, to press the panic button. Maybe we're hovering our hand over the panic button, but we're not – we're not going to tap it just yet, but I think now uh, it, it's a lot more comfortable uh, the way this team is playing. Yeah, and you didn't factor in the possibility of fourteen out of fourteen points on the road, so which is actually still a possibility. <laughs> it's still a possibility, <laughs> but hey, ba- Buffalo's playing well as of late. Boston's playing. Uh, phenomenal as of late, but you are Boston's first game uh, back from a long road trip. But uh, 
you know, listen, I, I wanted to give myself some room for error. So sure. I said at least, at least seven points, which yeah. four, on- 14 points is at least seven. That's right. And they're, they're well on the, <laughs> well on pace for getting seven since they already have six. Right. So, um, yeah. I do want to ask you this Ottawa game because they did give up four goals, including a hat trick to, to Stim, Tim Stutzla, Stim Tutzla, yeah. if you will. Um, <laughs> I think back a little bit, and I, I don't know if I want to make this comparison because it wasn't quite the same, but when the Kraken got to the end of their really hot streak there uh, earlier in the season back in November, they had the 9-8 game in, in Los Angeles, right? This is a little yeah. different, um, certainly, because they obviously were the better team, obviously deserved to win, kind of ran away with it in the end. They put another goalie on the bench. Um, was there, it's a little hard to tell from from watching from home, but was there the kind yeah. of loose play a little bit that you saw uh, maybe in that Los Angeles game where they got away with it and won, but maybe some questionable defensive plays happened? You know, I wouldn't say overall. I think there were moments in the game in which uh, it got a little loose. Um, But, I mean, that L.A. game was just both sides, right? (laughs) On both sides of the puck. There were just breakdowns fundamentally, offensively, defensively, and you still wound up with 17 goals. But I think against Ottawa, the the big thing was, A, Tim Stutzla. I mean, they have a really good young, talented core offensively in Ottawa. But I think what helped the Kraken is that when they put their third and fourth line out there, when Ottawa puts their third and fourth line out there, all they wanted to do was hit. They were so focused on finishing checks, they would take four or five strides after the puck was gone to finish their check. And then here comes Seattle on a two-on-one. Or here comes... Uh, you know, they're, they're giving up a wide open shot lane because you just had to finish your check. Um, and I think Seattle exposed and took advantage of that. Of the four goals that were given up, obviously, if you're Martin Jones, yeah, I don't want to give up four goals. But, you know, Tim Stutzla is one of the, the more dynamic players that we have in our league. But also, too, a couple of those goals did come from defensive breakdowns. But it, it wasn't an overall bad game defensively for Seattle because outside of Tim Stutzla, this team shut down Brady Kachuk. They, they shut down Alex to um, You know, they rendered a lot of their high powered offensive pieces uh, virtually ineffective. So um, I, I, I wouldn't say it was, it was like the LA game overall, but I could see shades of it, but like this team has done all year, they found a way to win that game. And obviously when you score eight goals, finding a way is like, well, no, duh. But they they found a way despite the hat trick, despite giving up four goals, they came back, they clamped down and they won that game. Yeah. Um, it was a good win and, and another another good win. I mean, they're, they're rolling right now. Um, speaking of the fourth line, though, which has been super impactful, certainly, yeah. um, and a big piece of that has been a certain ding-dong Daniel Sprong. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see if you if you saw that tweet from Jimmy Klopman that he uh, bought a jersey that's got number 91 and then on the nameplate he put ding-dong. Did you see that? Oh, I, I, I quoted it. I retweeted okay. it. I, I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a movement, Everett. It's happening. So... Um, but on that on that topic, now you have uh, Ellie Tolvanen. Can we get your Ellie Tolvanen call, please, for when he scores? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I have one. Uh, I'm going to save it for the air. Okay. I told uh, I told Tomer um, right after he scored, 
He, you know how he does his goal calls. He mm-hmm. always has a, a pretty fun little quip to say. And then uh, he was like, yeah, I don't know if I like that goal call for Tolvin or not. And I looked at him and I said it and he goes, ooh, that's good. Use that one. So I've got one. <laughs> and then last game in Ottawa, he looks at me and his eyes, his eyes lit up at a Christmas tree. He goes, I've got the best Ellie Tolvin in goal call. I can tell you what it is. Yeah. But when Ellie Tolvin gets his next goal, you're going to hear it. And I'm like, all right, I'm looking forward to it. So we've yeah. got a couple of Ellie Tolvin in goal calls on deck for the listeners. All right. So tune in uh, to the radio broadcast for next time that Ellie Tolvin and puts one in the net. Um, I do want to talk about those two players specifically, though. I think they've both been yeah. very interesting stories this whole season. Daniel Sprong, I mean, what more can you say about the guy? Like, I I wrote a story about him at the beginning of the season uh, after he had, you know, he went through the whole thing where he came in on a PTO. Then he signs a two-way deal, and we're all kind of expecting the Kraken to maybe try to sneak him through waivers, right? And you're like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, that's an interesting interesting thing for him to even accept that. But he didn't have a contract, so sure, he comes in, he does what he does. And then he plays his way onto the roster, gets scratched at the beginning of the season, has the whole thing where he doesn't have his V, Right. Like every hurdle yeah. he possibly could have had to clear, he cleared. And now he is like, you can't even imagine them taking him out of the lineup because he's one of their most consistent producers offensively. And he plays like eight minutes a night. Like it's crazy. Like, yeah. uh, it's just, it's been such an awesome story to watch him. And, you know, I, I'm sure you have a similar take, but I just, I wanted to hear what, you, what you've seen from him and, and just how impactful he's been for the team. Yeah, no, I, I mean, everything you said is, is bang on. Uh, from where he started this season to where he is and where he presumably will continue to go. It's been remarkable um, and fun to watch. And I remember interviewing him after a game uh, this season. Uh, Dave asked him that same question. He goes, you know, take us through your summer and, and what happened. And, you know, he told us that this essentially was a big wake-up call for him because yeah. he's, he's not been in this position before. So, for him to be able to to sign the PTO and then sign the two, essentially, you know, he's never been guaranteed anything on this roster. Um, and, and he actually, on the radio, he goes, uh, yeah, it was a giant blank you every time I get on the ice. And we had to dump that off the air, unfortunately. <laughs> but you could, you could hear... You could hear the passion and you could hear that emotion in his answer. Like every time he goes out there on the ice, um, he's, he's setting out to prove a lot of folks wrong. And, mm-hmm. and I think what you said there at the end, he's doing this with what, 10, uh, under 10 minutes a night. Him, Morgan Geeky, and Ryan Donato are three of the top four scorers in the NHL amongst players who were averaging 10 or fewer minutes a night. He's solely been doing this on the fourth line with some power play time. So yeah. it's been fun to watch him. And and the one thing that I've noticed about Daniel Sprong is that he is a model of consistency. He's not going to wow you. He's not, you know, he, he's not Matty Veneers, right? He's not going to go out there and, and be – very, very flashy, but he's a consistent player. The way he plays, the way he carries the puck, his shot is always lethal. It's always the same. Um, his, his attention to detail, his hustle, his hard work, all of these cliche terms that we, that we can throw in there, it's always the same. And I think that's what makes him and what has made him 
such an effective player this season for Seattle. Right. And it is, you know, the knock was the, uh, his play away from the puck. Right. And um, yeah. when I talked to him, he said, basically, he well, he came into the summer expecting to have lots of different contract opportunities just because, yeah. you know, looking back at last year between the two teams he played on, he had, I think, 14 goals. Um, he said his kind of underlying numbers, too, were pretty good. Um, so him and his agent or he and his agent, they were expecting lots of offers and nothing came in. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't. I don't have a contract and we're into training camp yeah. now, you know? And, and so the knock though is always his play away from the puck. And we even heard Hackstall saying that from time to time last season, like, you know, he's, we know he can score goals, but the problem is we need to get him playing at both ends of the ice and, and not being somebody that we can rely on in all three zones. And um, I think he's really taken that to heart this season. I think that lack of contracts was, was like you said, the wake up call. And it was like, yeah. all right, this is something that I really need to focus on now to prove people wrong. Um, like you just said. So um, it's been an interesting well, story listen, to watch. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, I mean, it's not only Daniel Sprong. I, I think it's a lot of players on this team, that commitment to playing well, Without the puck, how right. many times last season did we see Seattle play 30 minutes a night, 45 <laughs> minutes a night, yeah. 50 minutes a night? But it's a it was a little two minute span in which the wheels fell off. And I think the Kraken this year, their play without the puck has been a complete 180 from last season. The forechecking is hard. This is a team that prides itself on that on that strong forecheck. Um, they pride themselves on setting the pace, making uh, uh, teams play to their level. And, and I think that goes for Sprong and that goes for, for a number of guys on this team that have really bought into that style of play. Right. Yep. You're, you're spot on. And, uh, you know, we saw those little letdowns a bit during the December slump too. So, um, it is a, it is a problem for this team. I think it's probably a problem for just about any team when they start to struggle. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you talked earlier about they, they didn't hit the panic button, but I could tell too, at that, that one practice they had before the Islanders game, the tone had shifted amongst the players. Um, they all seemed kind of pissed off. Uh, Hacksaw was saying things, you know, like status quo isn't good enough here. You know, if we want to win, um, we have to be, we have to be better. Like we have to play for a full 60 minutes, you know? So, um, and they shifted some things. They changed personnel. They changed, uh, they changed how they're doing the PK. Um, so yeah, uh, speaking of changing personnel, I mentioned we were going to talk a little bit about Ellie Tolvanen. Um, so he comes in and, you know, they scratch him for seven, eight games, whatever it was, uh, couldn't score a power play goal to save their lives. He gets in, in two of the three games, his first three games, he scores power play goals plus an assist. Right. So has he saved their season? You know, I I asked uh, (laughs) that same question. I I said, listen, Ellie Tolvanen coming in. Was he the secret sauce that was missing in the power play <laughs> recipe? And he, 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 he gave me a look that only Hack can deliver. Uh, and, and it was it was very much, you know, he, he's a very special player. And yeah. he the Kraken knew that his shot was he could score goals, he could shoot uh, the puck. And, and I think for him, needing a change of scenery, the way that he's been playing in his limited uh, uh, ice time for Seattle – I think is something that maybe Seattle's missed a bit because now you've got 
another heavy shot, McCann, Strong, uh, you know, come to mind of, of two guys who, who love to shoot the puck and who can shoot the puck, Andre Burakovsky, although he's uh, been slumping here a little bit as of late, he's another heavy shooter. So you bring in Ellie Tolman and you put him on that power play spot uh, to, to pull the trigger and get goals. But I think also he adds a little bit of speed to his game. He brings uh, another uh, dynamic, another level to this Seattle Kraken uh, roster that um, maybe wasn't missing per se, but I think also that that you can never have enough of because for Ellie Tolvanen, the reason why you couldn't get him into games is simply because who were you going to take out at yeah. the time, right? Brandon Tanev, Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprung, all of those players on the third and fourth lines have been playing exceptionally well. And for Seattle, this team has been exceptionally healthy and I'm going to yeah. find some wood to knock on right yeah, me now too. because this team has been uncharacteristically healthy through this far into the season. So there just hasn't been uh, opportunity to, to change the lineup because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This team's been yeah. winning. This team's been playing well overall. Uh, so I, I know it was a bit of a struggle and it may have been a bit frustrating for Ellie not being able to get into the lineup that he uh, like Daniel has has made the most of his uh, opportunities um, that he's gotten. Yeah, and the funny thing <laughs> with that competition, right on the the fourth and third lines, even during their slump, that those were the only guys that were going. So it was like, yeah. you know, there'd be nights when when it looked like everybody was off, but then the fourth line would get out there, and all of a sudden they'd take over the game for a little stretch, and you're like, okay, maybe we do have something. And then they'd go off, and the yeah. top lines would come out, and they'd get shut down again, you know. And it was like, so how do you take one of those guys out? That doesn't seem fair, but that's just how it works. Um, and ultimately, it was yeah. Morgan Geeky was the first one to come out, and I'm like, well, that's not right. Like he's been playing pretty well. Like I don't, you know, but but somebody's got to do it, and and you're not going to take out a a Burakovsky or, a, you know, one of your four five, six million dollar players, you're just not going to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And now, yeah, there's this, this competition that, that Tolvanen creates. And I love that he creates a, a big one-time opportunity from the right side yeah. on the power play, right? Yeah. Because you have Sprong that can do that on the left side. You have to your point, Burakovsky, who's a big shooter, but I think his strength comes off of like a snapshot, right? Where he can kind of set himself up, pick his pick his spot and shoot. I don't think the one timer is really his thing, right? Where where it is with Strong. It's, it's, it's and the Tolvanen. quick release for Tolvanen, yeah. Right. And same thing with McCann. Like McCann can take one timers, yes. no question, but he likes that that kind of skate almost up to the the blue line, get going downhill, catch a pass, and then shoot. He's so Well look at look at McCann's goal the other night. It right. was I called it a sweeping one timer. Because yep. he gets the puck in the circle, he drags it for, you know, one second, half a second, doesn't quite pull the trigger right away, but he settles and shoots. It was it was a sweeping one timer and he scored on. So yeah, it's a it's another big weapon which which I think is great. It's a team that um doesn't have like one key guy that's gonna score every yep. night. Um yep. everybody contributes and the more offensive potential weapons you have, the better because they're all contributing in different ways every night. Um, it is funny that we just got chatting a little bit about McCann because he was the last guy I had written down that I wanted to talk about. Like, it's the most quiet 19 goals I think I've ever seen. Like, no one is talking about the fact that he's about to hit 20 goals here and we're, we're I mean, are we even halfway through the season yet? I don't think so. Not um, quite, not quite. And he had, he missed a little bit of time too. So like, 
This is uh, this is interesting. He's on he's on quite the run here without anybody really talking about it. Obviously, he was their leading goal scorer last season, and the last two yep. that he's scored uh, have come off of outrageous passes from Jaden Schwartz, right? The the first one was the breakaway goal where um, Schwartz caught it at the boards, didn't even look, and somehow caught him in stride at the far blue line. And then, uh, yeah, to your point in Ottawa, Schwartz makes the, the weird, like, shoulder shake thing to get away from the guy, spins and finds McCann um, again without... Yep without even looking. So, um, so there's some real chemistry building there. McCann, like how, how good is this guy? I, I can't believe that he's, he's at 19. Sometimes I look at his stats and I'm like, how'd he get there? How did that happen? Like, I don't even notice him scoring <laughs> goals, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think for McCann, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than on the ice. Obviously we, we know the kind of player that Jared McCann is and what he's capable of doing. But I think what a lot of folks don't realize is that after he signed that five-year extension last year, you saw a sense of calmness come over him because now he knows that he is going to be a part of this core for a long time. He doesn't have to worry about packing up. He even made the comment now. He said, I'm excited to, to, to put down roots. I could actually buy a house. So he's building a house back home uh, outside of Toronto. Um, but now he can call Seattle home minimally for the next four years, if not longer, uh, five years, if not longer. So for him, I think anytime you can go into a situation knowing that you're safe, knowing that you're financially stable, knowing that, you know, I'm going to have a job for the foreseeable future, I think it takes away a lot of that pressure. So now Jared McCann has been able to go out there and he's been able to do what has made him successful. And like you said before, I I mean, it's a very quiet 19 goals for Jared McCann. I'm with you. There are times when McCann will – I'll look at the score sheet and I'm like, oh, wow, McCann's got another goal, another assist, a couple (laughs) of points. So – you know, I think he is now has that sense of calmness about him. Now, on the ice, I think you're you're bang on with the chemistry that he's been able to get on that line uh, with Jaden Schwartz and and how they've been able to 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 work together. And I think also when you give him the power play minutes as well, that doesn't hurt. But also, which is the case like a Daniel Sprong, the one thing about Jared McCann is the consistency. He, he doesn't change a whole lot. And, and he knows his game. He knows his role. He knows what makes him successful. So he does all of that very, very well. It's the shot. It's the hustle to get to pucks. It's the ability to get open, to create separation from the defenders. Um, That is what makes Jared McCann so special and so effective. And he works on that and he knows what it takes uh, to have success. So for him to to be able to have a 20 goal season almost, I mean, is he going to get to 40 goals? Are we looking at our first Seattle Kraken 40 goal scorer? Uh, I mean, (laughs) Maybe. I, I, Let's knock maybe, on, I'm right? knocking on wood again. Doing it again. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to put it out of the question, but I do think if there was a player that was going to get to that mark, I, I would put my money on Jared McKinnon. Well, that's a very <laughs> really went out on a limb with that one, picking their leading goal hey. scorer. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw some low hanging fruit, so I yeah. decided to pick it. 
yeah see if it was ripe or not yeah no he's got uh and he's got some a different swagger to him this year too i think last year it felt like he you know he was trying to get his feet wet he wanted to prove himself yep. needed to earn a contract um made it very clear as the season went on that he absolutely wanted to stay in seattle um we had him on our podcast and he was this was like a week before he uh had his contract announced so he probably knew that he was um, signing and staying at that point, but um, he was very straightforward. He's like, "Yeah, this is this is why I love it here. This is why I want to stay. This team wants me. Um, you know, yeah. I'm having success here. Things are going well for me personally." Um, and so, sure enough, here he is, and he's he's picking up right where he left off. Um, and I think he just looks like he has more swagger because of that long hair that yeah. he's got coming out the back. Oh, of his the hair, the hair, the hats. Uh, you see him get on the bus. He he's got he's got the hat game on point this season. So yeah. <laughs> He's, he's got the swagger, but also one more thing, if I can, about McCann. Yeah. If I can. About you can. Um, McCann can. Yep. <laughs> McCann can. Uh, I think, too, you look at the players who are around him. You bring in Matty Veneers. You bring in Oliver Bjorkstrand. You bring in Andre Burakovsky. Justin Schultz, right? Guys who have who have played at high levels, who have an offensive side of their game. Schultz from the blue line, obviously. But now it's not all just on Jared McCann to try to create that offense. Now he can settle back, not have to worry about taking on all of that added pressure. And because he doesn't feel the pressure of having to be the the offense uh, provider solely for this team, he's able to go out and score this. You're in Montreal right now. Are you at, are you at Le Center Bell as we as yes. we talk? Okay. Yes. Um, right outside. So we're recording right this just yeah just before morning skate here for the Kraken. Uh, any predictions for the Canadians Kraken game this evening? Well, Montreal's they've uh, they've been struggling, but uh, you know they just got the bad news. Caden Gooley's going to be out for a little bit for injury, but I mean Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, those are two players that again, are, are on their way to, to start in this league. And this is a hard-working Montreal team. This team reminds me a lot of Seattle last season. They are one of the hardest-working teams on any given night, but they just have not been rewarded for that effort, for that hard work. So mm-hmm. we saw it in Seattle uh, when Shane Wright scored his, his NHL goal, his first NHL goal against Montreal how tough that team wants to play against. And they exposed uh, the Kraken on a few mistakes they made. So the Kraken have to be wary or or be uh, careful not to fall back into that trap here again today. They're playing well as of now. You can't see this game against Montreal as a letdown because the Ottawa Senators, although you beat them 8-4, there were some pretty good opportunities there that were not cashed in on by the Sens. So Montreal, this is not going to be an easy game. Don't let their record uh, and their place in the standings fool you. Um, Montreal is a tough, hard-working team that they're just waiting to get rewarded, and you don't want to be the team uh, that they all of a sudden get their groove back again. Well, that's good. Uh, good warning. Good. Uh, how else do I want to say that? Cautionary <laughs> tale. How's that? Cautionary, Cautionary tale. tale. That go. was that was all what right. I was looking for. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Everett, for uh, for taking time here. Um, I look forward yeah. to seeing you back in Seattle after uh, you and the team gets back from this perfect fourteen point road trip. So. I love it. Are we, <laughs> we still have a whole week left. Yeah. Have you, I mean, even from your ECHL days, did you have uh, ever have a road trip like this? My longest road trip was 10 days. We yeah. left on, uh, we left on a Wednesday, flew to uh, Boise, Idaho. We played the Idaho Steelheads Friday, Saturday, 
left Sunday to go to Anchorage and play the uh, um, uh, Alaska Aces on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and then left Sunday to come on back to okay. Cincinnati. So I've uh, I've had a ten day road trip and a lot less travel there. Really, I, it's you're traveling yes. in a little bit less style when you're in the ECHL yes. compared to the NHL. But that sounds to me like you weren't moving around quite as much. This is seven different cities in fourteen days. So I know two different countries, and we're doing customs tonight in montreal which i heard takes uh takes a long time so 7 30 local time face off 7 40 when you think about the national tv up here in canada so 7 40 local time face off here and then you turn right back around and play in just your second uh of eight back-to-backs uh, this season tomorrow so. all right well godspeed uh i hope it's a, a very smooth road trip for you here the rest of the way and uh let's Thank let's you. see if the kraken can keep it rolling this has been a lot of fun That's... to watch them and uh it's been a lot of fun to talk to you everett thank you so much for your time as always man a pleasure and let's see if we can keep uh keep being nasty keep nasty westy keep it nasty westy <laughs> and when the blue and silver wave you stand and cheer the brave.